Hi everyone, Siobhan Chapman here and welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. It's Friday morning, which means it's time for the weekend review and preview conversation, where my guests will recap how markets have performed over the past few sessions and preview what you can expect in the week ahead. Today's segment will primarily focus on risk assets, what was a very busy week in the market, and some recommendations from CIO on investors' equity positioning. Joining us for the conversation, I'm glad to welcome back Matthew Tormey, Equity Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Welcome, Matt. We're happy to have you. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, equity investors this past week were met with some turbulence in the markets. What were the drivers behind this week's market moves? Yes, thanks, Siobhan. So, as you did mention, U.S. equities were a bit more turbulent this week, with yesterday being the only day the S&P 500 traded in positive territory. And stretching this back a bit further, yesterday was only the second time in the previous 10 trading sessions the S&P 500 traded higher, with the only other positive day coming on Wednesday last week, following Fed Chair Powell's comments at the Brookings Institution that confirmed the market's expectations that the Fed would slow the pace of rate hikes at the December FOMC meeting following four consecutive 75 basis point hikes. So for this week, there were a number of drivers to point to starting with Monday when we received some upbeat services-related data as the ISM Services Index unexpectedly rose and the business activity component jumped by quite a bit on the back of the start of the holiday season. But the main takeaway here for us is that spending in the U.S. economy continues to shift from goods to services. And good economic news is still being interpreted as bad news for both equities and bonds, as it makes it less likely that the Fed's going to be able to pivot towards a more accommodative stance in the near term. So moving on to Tuesday... Another more than 1% equity market decline was driven by investor focus shifting to the prospect that the Fed will have to continue tightening monetary policy even as the economy weakens. And at a financials conference this week, we did hear from a number of bank CEOs that expect a heightened probability of an economic downturn next year. And although consumer spending is holding up, some bank management teams mentioned lower income consumers are starting to feel a pinch from higher inflation. On Wednesday, not a lot to directly point to for why markets traded slightly lower on the day, but we did have the final results from the Georgia Senate runoff election, with the takeaway being that the Democrats did gain a seat to hold a slim majority, although I would note that just this morning, Senator Kristen Sinema, who is a Democrat from Arizona, she did announce that she was leaving the Democratic Party to register as an independent. So this means that the Democrats will still hold the Senate, but by a less comfortable margin. Also on Wednesday, we've continued to receive a number of developments out of China related to the loosening of the country's zero-COVID policies, but concerns about the reopening path being choppy and the virus lingering around for longer have swayed risk sentiment. And finally yesterday, markets did rebound, and this was led by growth stocks as we received a few positive developments on inflation, which included falling used car prices and housing costs, easing supply chain constraints, and a decline in energy prices. So what is CIO's near-term outlook for equities? Is there an upcoming catalyst that could stir up volatility in the markets? Yeah, so in the near term, we don't think the risk-reward here for equities is very attractive, especially after the 11% bounce that we've seen since the October market low. So the S&P now trades at a 17 times forward multiple, and even if we get to 18 times in an upside case, this would bring the S&P 500 to a level around 4150 if we do use the current bottom-up consensus EPS estimate for 2023, which, in our view, still appears much too elevated. 
and with plenty of downside risks and focus for markets, including tighter financial conditions, elevated inflation, and pressure on earnings growth in the face of a potential recession, we'd expect markets to head lower before we see any significant move to the upside. So just to reiterate some of our forecasts, we do have an S&P 500 price target of 3700 for June of next year and 4000 by the end of next year. And for earnings, we are expecting about a 4% S&P 500 EPS contraction in 2023, which would bring us to $215 per share, which is 7% below the bottom-up consensus estimate. Now, to address the second part of your question, there are a few upcoming catalysts that could stir up volatility in markets. So first, next week, we will receive the latest CPI inflation reading, and on the following day is the December FOMC meeting, both events which could potentially lead to a strong market reaction. And second, at the turn of the new year, we'll have the December jobs report, and fourth quarter earnings season will start the following week. And guidance for 2023 will come into full focus with many questions about the prospects of a recession for the U.S. economy living. Against that backdrop, how is CIO recommending that investors be positioned within equities? Of course. So within U.S. equities, our positioning hasn't changed a whole lot as we continue to recommend a defensive bias in portfolios and a tilt towards value over growth. So across sectors, we continue to prefer energy, despite the sector's recent underperformance. And this view is really driven by the tightness in oil markets that we are currently seeing. China reopening development should continue to support demand in 2023. We're also expecting lower Russian production and the likely end of strategic oil reserve releases in OECD countries. So all of these are factors that support our commodity team's forecast for Brent of $110 a barrel in March. Among defenses, we prefer healthcare and consumer staples, as defensive sectors typically outperform during the later stages of the business cycle, which we believe we're currently in. For healthcare specifically, profit growth should be more resilient versus the market. We're seeing signs that medical procedures are rebounding, and recent drug pricing reform lists a long-standing overhang on the pharmaceutical industry. And for consumer staples, again, earnings growth here should be more resilient relative to other sectors and In our view, valuations don't appear unreasonable given the defensive nature of the sector. On the other side of the spectrum, we have least preferred views on tech, consumer discretionary, and materials. So for tech stocks, we think that there may be risk to IT enterprise spending as corporate profits come under pressure. And despite the sector's underperformance this year, valuations do remain quite lofty on a relative basis and even above pre-pandemic levels. Uh, consumer discretionary, although the labor market is still in good shape, we are seeing some signs that tighter monetary policy, higher mortgage rates, and elevated inflation are starting to have an impact on discretionary consumer spending. And on materials, we've typically seen the sector underperform when the dollar is stronger, which is usually associated with slowing global economic growth. And finally, we do continue to reiterate our longstanding preference for value stocks relative to growth stocks, a view that We've held since early last year, really driven by higher interest rates, high inflation, more rapid earnings growth, and attractive relative valuations. What's taking place next week that investors should be mindful of? Yeah, so after what felt like a lighter-than-usual economic calendar this past week, next week we're set to receive a few important data points that will likely influence the data market trade through the end of the year. So turning to next week, On Tuesday, we'll receive the November CPI reading, with consensus currently expecting a 7.3% headline year-over-year reading, which 
would be a decline from the 7.7% figure that we did see in October. Also, we'll receive the latest NFIB Small Business Index reading, which generally provides helpful insights and commentary on the state of small businesses across the country. On Wednesday, we have the December FOMC meeting, where we do expect the Fed to hike rates by 50 basis points, and the market's expecting this as well. But also as part of this meeting, we'll receive an updated summary of economic projections with many participants in recent weeks indicating the peak Fed funds rate will have to be higher in order to put enough downward pressure on inflation. And to provide a little bit more context, it looks like the market is expecting a peak of about 4.93% for May of next year. Now, turning to Thursday, we'll receive two regional Fed manufacturing survey readings for December, including the Empire State and Philly Fed indices. Retail sales for November are also set to come in, and consensus is expecting a slowdown from the prior month, but still pointing towards a modest increase. Later that same day, industrial and manufacturing production readings for November will be released. And finally, we will get the weekly initial and continuing jobless claims numbers with Yesterday's reading showing us a tick up in both initial and continuing jobless claims, but it's important to keep in mind that these figures are rising off of historically low levels. And to wrap up on Friday, we'll receive the preliminary market PMI manufacturing and services readings for December, with consensus expecting these readings to remain relatively unchanged. All right. Thank you so much, Matt. Again, today we have been joined by Matthew Tormey, Equity Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office for the Top of the Morning Conversation. And as a reminder to our listeners, Top of the Morning is a part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as a UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Siobhan Chapman, and thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.